0: Good, You laughed. (laughs) That's a fun YouTube video. He gets much more into it the farther that you watch the video, but we could only show you a small clip. Anyway, my name's Kevin. I get to work with the students here, and today I'm very excited to share God's Word with you. Um, Like Matt mentioned, Sean is away. He's on his study leave. He'll be back next Sunday. Um, Ben will be preaching, but Sean will be here as well. And um, if you didn't know, uh, Katie Griffin is also away, but I hear that she's doing very well. Um, she's back home resting from her uh, surgery. So uh, pray for both of them and, um, yeah, and church as well. So I love having fun with kids, and that's what we're going to start off with. So I've got some questions to ask the crowd. I've got some Snickers for answers. There are three questions I'm going to ask you guys. But, of course, just like we do, you can't just shout out the answer because then you don't get any credit. You've got to raise your hand, and I'll call on you if I can see you out there, and uh, that, that's how this works. Uh, you know, I got to, I got I, gotta, I mean, so, um, how many, so I'll start with an easy one that you should all know, well, I mean, not know, easy question. I want you to raise your hand if you recognize the song that the cop was dancing to in his car. Wow, not as many of you as I thought. Okay, okay. Well, here's the first question. Yes, hands down. That's, you can't raise before I ask the question. That doesn't, that doesn't work. So, what is the name of the song that was in the video? Way in the back. Yes. Is that Sarah? Oh, Lacey. Hey, cool. Um, I'm going to try and throw you a Snickers. Oh, yeah. Cool. I know they're, they're minis. They're not even fun size, but it's still chocolate. So anyway, great. Thank you. So who, next question. Who, yes, you're already raising your hand. So what's the question? Who, who, uh, sang. Yes, who sang the song? Taylor Swift. Thank you. And now the hard question. Always end on the hard one. I'm going to have to get rid of these. Uh, the hard question is, what is different about this Taylor Swift song compared to almost all of her other songs? I got somebody in the back, but I'm going to call front row. Well, most of Taylor Swift's songs are about romance and love and, and how she's mad at the boy or she's in love with the boy or he did her wrong. this one, she's just happy and... Exactly, exactly. Happy. If you didn't catch that... In this song, she's just happy about life, and the rest of her songs mostly deal with heartache or anger issues with relationships. So this song is very different, and that's kind of why I picked it as a starting point for our talk today in our summer playlist series. Um, and so with that idea, I mean, obviously this song is catchy enough for a cop to dance to it in his car, and it, it got stuck in my head when I first heard it, um, you know, a few probably I probably heard it really late. I'm always late to the trend. All the high schoolers know this. Anyway, okay, notes don't crash on me. There we go, technology. So, um, this song has almost a billion, one billion views on YouTube. It is so catchy. And I think it's not just catchy because of the cool beats in it and the cool phrases, but I think it touches into something that we all understand or experience in our lives. This idea that, well, I'll I'll just quote the song here. Um, Taylor says, it's like I got this music in my mind saying it's going to be all right. So maybe we don't have that music in our mind, but we want it. And maybe that's part of what's going on here. We want to be able to shake it off or dust it off when our finances are tight, we want to shake it off when the coworker takes credit for our work or someone steals our homework or whatever it might be. We want to shake it off when our friend gives us the cold shoulder or even stabs us in the back. We want to shake it off when someone breaks our heart or hurts us however they might have. And Taylor says, "We can shake it off because we know it's all going to be all right." Do we really? Well, she, I mean, the song is so happy. I mean, how can you not want, I mean, it just, just, it just makes you feel good. Well, Psalm 27 is our song for today. And I pray that you would come to see that God is that song. His goodness is that song that plays in our minds and our hearts and allows us to shake it off when we face whatever comes our way. And so this summer, we're walking through the Psalms and They are these songs and prayers that we have in the Bible. And many of them are written by King David. And um, they are our summer playlist. And wherever life is going well for you, maybe your life is not going well. Well, this psalm, I think, can relate to everyone. So yes, it's about trust. And David is probably in a difficult time. But I'm sure that God will teach us something through it that will help us shake it off when the world brings us trouble, when we have fear and doubt, face hopelessness, whatever. And the big point of this psalm, I believe, there's many, and I could be up here for two hours, but we don't have that kind of time. You'll be very hungry if I go that long. um, Is that trusting in God's goodness gets rid of our fear and it produces confidence and hope regardless of our life circumstances. Trusting in God's goodness we will get rid of our fear and it produces confidence and hope regardless of what's happening in our lives. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read the psalm. It's a little bit longer than most of the things that we read, so you're going to have to have a little patience with me. And I'm going to pray and then we'll kind of explain what's going on and I will get to the lion, I promise. It's there to keep you guessing. All right, let me read. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me, At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing praise and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. For you have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Let's pray. God, like we sang earlier, you are a good, good father. Thank you for your word and for being with us here this morning. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us each hear what we need to hear from you this morning. Bring us encouragement and strength and mature us more into the likeness of your son, Jesus. Amen. So I've already given you the big idea, the main point. You can all go home now. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could, but hopefully you won't. I'm going to repeat it again just so that we have it as we walk through the rest of the psalm again. You can maybe see where this idea comes from. Again, God is, well, no, trusting in God's goodness rids us of fear and produces confidence and hope regardless of our circumstances in life. So the first half of this psalm is so upbeat and confident. David says, I have nothing to fear. Because God guides me, he saves me, and he always protects me. I remember as a teenager, all across the towns that I lived in, there's these bumper stickers that said, no fear. I'm like, that's exactly what David's saying. He's like, I can face anything. Nothing's going to get in my way. I can handle it all. Do you feel like that? Is that how your life goes? That's not how my life works. I want to fear. I mean, I want to feel fearless. But when I'm honest, fear still gets the best of me at times. And so, how does David have this fearlessness? He says that his enemies are attacking him, but they're going to be taken care of because God is the one who protects them. And God protects David because, well, David wants nothing less than to live in God's presence. To seek him and worship him forever. Now, if nothing else, you being here this morning is that first step of gaining big trust in God. When we seek to remain in God's presence, we gain God's guidance and protection. And maybe it won't look like we had hoped, but I know it's there. I can trust it's there, and you can too maybe even in our gaining of this trust by worshiping him and being in his presence he might even bring in some joy so there's so many things in this psalm i'd love to share and i have to keep paring it down one of the first things is that this is the psalms are poetry and poetry in any language is difficult right i'm not very good at rhyming like the sonnet with all the like 14 syllables or whatever Not my thing. Now, Hebrew poetry is even more difficult to really dig in and understand. And because of the way that the language works, in the different translations in English that I read, the first half of the psalm, some people say it's happening right now. Some people put it in this past tense, like it's already happened. And, well, who cares, Kevin? I'm not in English grammar school anymore. Why do I want to know this? Well, I think it shows us something really significant about how David built this trust that he has. You see, if David's enemies and armies had already attacked him, and then he writes the psalm, then he's survived. Like, God has already brought him through these hard, challenging circumstances, at least sometime in his life. David can write that he is fearless because he has already experienced God's protection and salvation in his life. He has no fear because he has already seen God come through for him. And so David's experiences help build his trust in God's protection and salvation. Well, the same is true for us today. Deep trust in God develops with experience. We learn, many of us, from Experiencing things. I mean, you can hear about something, right? But when you actually do it, you actually understand what's going on. You can learn from those experiences. And I'm confident, I know that this is true in my life, that I've learned to trust God by looking back at what He has done in my life, by seeing Him in whatever situation I'm reflecting on. But too often, we get so busy that we don't take time to remember what he's done or to reflect on it, especially when we're facing a new big trial right now. So how often do you, as an individual, I think it can be broadened even to you as a family, maybe you as your Bible study or community group or your neighbors, or how often do you and I take time to remember what God has done in our lives? Maybe it's been after some life-changing thing. Maybe it's been just some small thing. We can learn to trust God when we look and see what he's already done in our lives. And reflection may seem small, but it is so practical and powerful. The whole Old Testament, God says it always over and over to his people. Remember what I have done for you. Don't forget where I've brought you from. Remember that I am good. So I encourage you, in the good times and the bad, remember and reflect on what God has done in your life, and your trust and faith in him will grow. Now, there's another thing in the poetry here where David uses all these different uh, words for God's places where he's living. Whether it's God's temple in heaven, whether it's the tabernacle, that funky tent of worship that they move through the wilderness whether it's the house of the Lord or his dwelling place, the secret and protective place. I think that, yes, David is being like um, Taylor Swift and being able to create a really hip song for back then with all these different words and poetry. But more than that, he's hinting at some really important theology underneath the surface. This language that David used gives us a glimpse that God is not just stuck in one place. And that might be like, well, of course, God is everywhere. We already know that. Well, for the Psalms back then, this is a new idea in a sense. You see, the gods of the ancient world were worshipped on top of hills. You may have known that. Like, you've seen like Athens, Greece, and the big hill on top, and um, the Parthenon or whatever it is. And other different hills with different idols on top of them? Well, the reason, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons that they would worship these gods on top of these hills is because everything that that you could see from the top of the hill was as far as the God's power went. So the higher the hill, the more powerful the God. That's what they believed. And then if they couldn't see, if the God couldn't see you know, so far, well, that was that's as far as he could reign and rule. That's as far as his power would go. Now, we actually have a little glimpse of this in our culture in the last 20 years. Um, the lion, yes, the little pet lion. Um, many of you, hopefully, have seen the Disney animated classic, The Lion King. Yes? Many of you know Mufasa the dad and his little prince son, Simba, who I'm holding. Uh, it, they go up on top of this rock early on. It's a big rock that looks out over all the land. And Mufasa says to his son Simba, you know, one day, as far as you can see, all of this land will be yours. That, that's the same picture that's going on here with these, these gods of the ancient world. And the reason I share this is because, well, you'll remember now, because of the Lion King, this idea of gods in the ancient world, right? But The Hebrew God, our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he didn't work that way. He lived in a box, and that box lived in a tent, the Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle. Our God moves with his people. He doesn't just sit on top of a hill. That is revolutionary. David is hinting at this great idea that God is with his people. He was always with David no matter what came after him. King David realized that God was with him wherever he goes, ruling, yes, from heaven in his temple, but also as close as going to church or the tabernacle where people would gather to worship, and maybe even closer, dwelling in David's very soul. And that changes everything because God is with us. We have nothing to fear, Romans says, because God is with us. And so as followers of Christ... We still believe this today, that God is with us. God, Jesus has a name. His name is Emmanuel. That means God with us. So we can always be confident that our God will never leave us. Even Jesus says that at the end of his life. He says, I will be with you always, even until the very end of the age. And then he leaves. But obviously he's not leaving because he's always there with his disciples. God's presence in our life is reality when we put our trust in him. And the Apostle Paul says it in a hundred different ways, but one of my favorites is in Colossians, and he says there's this great mystery, in other words, this thing that it just blows our mind, that Jesus Christ is in you, and that is the hope that we have for this future promise of being in heaven with him. So David's perspective is that God is with him, and that builds his trust. And so, too, we can build our trust by knowing that God is with us and will never leave us. Well, what if we don't have first hand experience of this? I've never seen God, right? Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you haven't experienced how good God can be. Well, David also hints that he can look back at the history of his people and see God move. And he can look at creation and see the amazing lightning, and hear the shaking thunder, and know that there's got to be someone in control. So if you don't have this personal experience of God's presence, if you don't have this sense that God has done good in your life before, well, look at creation. Listen to your friends and family as they share their stories of how God has been good in their lives, read his word and see who he really is and how true his goodness is. So if you have, and even if you haven't experienced God's goodness, there's places that we can go to see that it's real and true. On the flip side, if you have gone through hard times, do what David did in writing this psalm. Give your experience of goodness, of God's goodness, to someone else. You might have been like, I don't understand why this happened, this horrible, horrible, painful thing in my life. Well, somebody comes along and they're in a similar situation. Encourage them by how God brought you through. God will redeem our stories of pain and brokenness as we share them and encourage other people and show them God's goodness. So that's what we've come to see in this first half of the psalm, that trusting in God's goodness gives us confidence and freedom from fear, And that trust grows out of our experiences with him, out of remembering what he's done for us, out of knowing that he's with us all of the time. And it also comes from seeing his work in other people's lives and even in history. Well, the psalm takes a big turn for the the worse here. And David gets very depressed and sad and um, comes out and, and says, in a sense, Oh, where did it go? No, that's not what he says. He has this cry. He says, God, where did you go? Why are you forsaking me? Well, how can you say that when you're just so confident and fearless? Well, it's because life actually happens, right? When we're actually in the middle of a desperate and devastating circumstance, and reality hits us, Maybe we're not going to be all that confident in who God is and his goodness. I mean, can you really follow, shake it off when you talk about cancer? Or maybe, can you really shake off the, the um, heartbreak and pain of a divorce? Or a friend who's betrayed you? Or the loss of a job or home? or even someone in your family who's passed away. Nobody can shake those things off. It's not just that easy. In some sense, that's where we get this sense of, God, are you even good? My uncle um, went through a very hard time a few years ago, and I feel like David is capturing his emotions. He lost, we lost, my grandmother, his mom, his wife, my aunt, and his 25-year-old son to cancer within a year. Yeah, you can't just shake that one off. And so, I mean, in those situations, I feel like David's been there many different times as well. We either have, we have two options, I feel like. Either we think that God is out to get us and he's angry with us, or... He doesn't exist because there's no way a good God is going to let that stuff happen. That's just too much for any person to bear. For sure, one way or the other, God is definitely not good is what most people would come to. And I say that they're almost right. I would say that we feel like God is not good. No good God would ever let that much suffering happen, right? I don't know if you can relate to my uncle or if you can relate to David or some other hard time in your life, but we can be confident of a bunch of different things from this cry that David includes. First, that cry is in the Bible. So it's reality. You're not crazy when you have doubts about God's goodness. It's okay to admit that. I mean, how bad powerful is this idea that if David, who was a man after God's own heart, can cry out to God and say, God, I don't believe that you're good anymore, well, then we can too. Like, we, we have that freedom to be who we are, to let our emotions go in front of the Lord. More than that, how cool is it that, I mean, this is just a very important thing. If God cannot handle our little complaining, then I don't want him to be my God. If he can't handle me being upset with him, and yes, obviously we want to become humble and trust him more and more, but I mean, our God is big enough to handle anything that we can send against him. He is God after all. So let's have that freedom to vent when we need to, just like David does to put our hearts out there before the Lord and see if he won't come through in the end. And with that, though, David has this this conundrum here, then we see it again. He he wants to believe, and so he says, God, I trust that you're going to even be there when my parents die, but I still don't know because I feel like you're rejecting me right now. And I have that struggle, maybe you do. As we go along in our faith, we come to these places where we want to believe that God is good, but it's hard. And so that's fine. We're not crazy, and it's okay. We're not alone in our doubts. We're not alone in our hard emotions. Even, we're even free to express them before God and we pray that he would teach us and grow us, just like David did, to become closer and closer to him and know his goodness. Trusting in God's goodness rids us of fear and produces confidence and hope, regardless of our life circumstances. So to bring this psalm to a close, I want to look at the last two verses, and I've got one more story for us. I think this just captures the entire psalm so well. David writes, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Unless he would have believed, he would have lost heart. Somehow, he's become convinced, regardless of whether he can see it in his life or feel it in his life or not, that in the end, God is going to do good for him and for all those who believe in him. No matter what hard comes his way, God is going to bring out good, even before he dies in his life. That says it all. That's what Taylor Swift's song, Shake It Off, should really be based on. This undeniable, unshakable hope that the goodness of God will rain. So yes, we'll likely lose heart when we face difficult times, but we can make it through because we are confident that these circumstances are not the end. In fact, we already know what the end is, and we've seen half of it already through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He brought justice where there could be no justice. He got rid of sin he conquered the ultimate enemy of death. And when we trust in him, he's going to continue to bring us along with him. So here's my last story. It's the reason I picked this psalm. I had this friend from college. His name is Joshua. And for a good season of his life, at the end of his senior year, um, he was, I mean, this psalm just captures it perfectly. Everyone was out to get him. Living in a house with seven guys never goes easy, but they were attacking him, even though they are all believers in Jesus, that he could do no right. More than that, his grandfather died. His dad, the main breadwinner, was fired. Well, not fired. He was laid off from his job. My friend, Joshua, also, at the same time, was like, I'm not sure if I really should be an engineer. And so he had this quarter-life crisis of trying to figure out what his purpose in life was. And he was stuck in this weird situation where these three different girls who were best friends all liked him and were fighting for him. I know that's a little bit funny, but like, that's just a lot of stuff to have go wrong. Nothing was going for him. And... Somehow, God brought this psalm into his life, and he shared with me this last verse over and over. I don't know why, Kevin, but I know that I'm going to see God's goodness in the end. I'm going to see it. I trust in it. I don't feel it, but I know it's going to be there. So when we place our faith in Jesus, it's he, what he has done, and his spirit and guidance that reminds us of his goodness. And we can gain deeper confidence that God is good as we see him working in our lives. So remember what God has done. Reflect on God's goodness to you and towards all of his people. Remember who he is and his sovereignty when you see more thunder and lightning. When you see the mountains and when you even think about how fragile life really is. Come before him honestly Give him your raw emotions. He can handle it. He's big enough. And enter his presence and seek him. Maybe he'll even bring you joy out of the circumstances. He's alive and he's well and he has won the day. So let's trust in his goodness. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that you're alive whether we realize it or not. God, some of us in this room, I'm sure that we don't really know you yet. We don't understand your goodness. We're not even sure that you're real. But I pray that you would show us who you are, that you would remind us that you are God with us, Emmanuel, that you would show us how much you love us and that you are willing to die for us on the cross. God, some of us are in a happy-go-lucky place in life. We thank you for the goodness that you've shown us right now and how you're still working in our lives. But I pray, God, that you would use this good time in our lives to build our foundations of trust for those times that we will face in the future where we may not uh, think that you are still good. God, help us to share our stories of your goodness with others and encourage them in their difficult and dark times. God, for those of us in hard circumstances, put your song of goodness in our hearts and in our minds. Help us to know that it's all going to be okay because in the end, you are good and you have won the day. So help us to shake off discouragement and doubt and fear and call on you and trust in you. We pray in Jesus' strong name, amen.